Live from Ceridian Insights, we're talking with top industry executives and changemakers. Be inspired, connect, and learn. Here are your hosts, William Tincup and Mark Pfeffer. So, Mark, we've had a, a litany of Ceridian executives on. Yep. Conversations have been really, really smart. Yep. Do you, you think Do you think Denebra is going to actually is she is she going to be better, worse? Where are we know, at? What I, you I think? think she's kind of like a Diana Ross. Okay. One hundred percent Diana Ross. So we're setting a bar high. We are. Okay. We are. All right, as we should. Denebra, would you do us a favor sure. and introduce both yourself, but also tell us a little bit about what you do for Sheridan? Absolutely. So my name is Denebra McClendon. I am the Global Head of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Ceridian. I've spent 18 years within the Ceridian family. Oh, wow. Lots of roles in that organization, primarily though in HR. So that's what I do. I get to teach people how to be good people. Well, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also, uh, on, with the role, do you help the do you help your customers as well, in some level? In some level, I do. Right? right. We also support our customers in any way possible. So, oftentimes, just providing them some recommendations and some advice, primarily how they can use Ceridian software really to, right. you know, enhance the, the their own strategies. Um, you know, data driven um, um, decisions are always are always more powerful than those that kind of go by gut feeling. So. I kind of feel with, uh, I look at diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, and equality, I kind of feel like we're, it's an onion that we're, as we peel a layer off, we're learning more things. Yeah. Like it I, it's almost like an unreachable goal. It's not a bad thing. Mm-mm. Yeah, it absolutely isn't. And someone asked me that, you know, will we ever, will we ever have the need to stop, like, my answer is absolutely not. Right. Very short. No. Yeah. No. There's there's always more learning to do. Right. Right. It's about you know empowering others to continue to learn. When you when you lead in from a place of humility, when you really want to know more about other people, there's always something to learn. Do you think there's been real progress over the last say twenty years? Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's been real progress, but I think we still have more to do, right? There are lots more areas for us to explore. Sometimes we get caught up in thinking that diversity, equity, and inclusion really has to do with the exterior person, you know, race, age, ethnicity. But when we start to, like you said, like peel back those layers, there's so many other ways that we can go down the path. We, we study things like neurodiversity, right? We study things like uh, ability status, um, learning um, learning styles, right? Leadership styles. So there's so much more for us to explore in this space that I don't think that we will ever, ever come to a finite point. So. It's, it's Mark and I are jaded in a, in a sense of we've both been in this space for a long time and seen diversity mm-hmm. Uh, talked about. Mm-hmm. So, and in fact, Mark's wife uh, actually was consulted and taught on diversity. For- yeah, I, I, my wife is a recovering organizational psychologist mm-hmm. who spent um, 10 years doing diversity training mm-hmm. and finally just decided she didn't want to do it anymore because she was so frustrated. Yeah, and it, it can be very frustrating, right? It's because as professionals in this space, we want people to get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I, and I say that all the time. We've got to be okay with the small wins. And training is part of that. Right. We can, we can provide all the material, provide all the information. But what we're really trying to do is influence behavior change. And it can be very frustrating when you don't see the results and you know that you put in the work. So I can definitely understand that. Um, 
But I also would say that as a practitioner in this space, I would, I would encourage other practitioners to protect their own mental health, right? The work is heavy. Mm-hmm. We have some really deep conversations. Mm-hmm. We, we peel back some really, really, really dark layers. And it's really important that we also protect ourselves, our mental space. I, I think that's super important because, again, it is a heavy burden. And, and, uh, and you're, in some ways, we're peeling back institutional, organizational things that have been going on for hundreds of years. Right. And some people don't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. which is, okay, denial is not going to ever kind of get mm-hmm. you to a place, mm-hmm. right? But I think what, one of the things that I'm hopeful, uh, because we've talked about it diversity for a long time, but it's only in the re- recent years, and maybe it may be Me Too, Love is Love, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, I can't put my finger on it, mm-hmm. but at one point it seemed like there was actual budget, yeah, money being put yeah. into it. People mm-hmm. like yourself say, People hired into positions mm-hmm. and then given the budget and authority to actually help people. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that's actually where change can happen. 100%, right? So we can talk about it all day long. Right. But until we put forth real, real meaningful efforts and a budget, right, right. it doesn't really happen. Um, and I think while shortly after George Floyd's murder, organizations went out and they made these bold statements, right, without actually backing that up with long-term strategic plans that will really, really help to address those systemic biases, you won't make the progress that you're looking for. That's window dressing. It is window dressing. It's the the check-the-box exercises. I'm so proud of of our organization in that when we adopted equity as a core Ceridian value, we actually put the efforts behind that, right? So it's more than just talking about it. It really is how do we demonstrate this? Um, And it's done through thoughtful and intentional planning. What we understand is that things don't change overnight, so we don't set ourselves up for those types of failures. What we say is, here's what we aspire to do, here's how we're going to do that, and we're going to continue to measure our progress along the way. Um, I'll tell you a story that when we, we first launched our strategy, I jumped in super excited. Again, I've been with the organization for 18 years. I jumped in super excited, and I had 14 pillars of success that we were going to do, and we're going to touch on all these areas. <laughs> And it took me about eight months to, to realize 14 is way too many, right? That, that's way too many. We had to scale it back to really match where we are as an organization. Right. And then we had to make pivots along the way. You know, we really want to do this. And you get super excited, but you have to, you have to be willing to be agile through this space and to, success, uh, to, to celebrate those small wins along the way. So tell me if this is a thing. Uh, I'm asking you to myth bust for me. Mm-hmm. Do you see sometimes with DNI professionals that they're afraid to fail or afraid to experiment? Because yeah. on some level, I've seen this, and again, I don't know if I'm seeing it through a lens and and, mm-hmm. it, and it's distorted. But it's like I look at it almost like marketing. The best marketers have lab coats on; they throw stuff against the wall. Some of it works, some of it doesn't, and and that's marketing. But with DEI, it's almost like it's you. It's the expectation is that it's perfect. A hundred percent. Everybody expects, you know, you to get it right the first time. Right. And oftentimes it feels like the weight of the organization's success falls on the yeah. shoulder of the DEI leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will tell you, I have, n- I have never ascribed to that one. I've always said, you know, our success as an organization will really be dependent upon the entire organization rallying behind these initiatives and showing up for these initiatives. But I absolutely believe that you're, you're correct. I also think that that's what leads to a lot of burnout in this space. 
right? It is the idea that you can take this on as one person or one small team. It really does need to, I don't, I, basically I'm saying I don't need to have this job, right? right? When we really make this part of every single thing that we do, when we see everything that we do from a lens of DEI, right? Then it no longer becomes a responsibility of a one person or one team then you're not afraid to fail because it becomes part of your DNA. Everything that you do has DNA, you know, it has DEI embedded in it. It's not something separate. Is this something that you um, have conversations with your customers about? And I mean, it, it, it seems funny to, to ask that of a technology company, but it's such a big concern. In it it is. And I will tell you that um, our customers, they, they really look forward to uh, partnering with Ceridian for help with the data, right? So we help them to make their work lives easier, and how do we do that? We create the, the reports that are really, really simplified for them to be able to tell the stories of their organization, for them to be able to identify where they have gaps in the DEI space within their own organizations. And then oftentimes, we, we will we'll lean in and provide some best practice recommendations, things that they can do, those small wins. So many of our customers are really new on their journey, their DEI journey, um, that it's really important for them to, one, understand that they're not alone. We try to help them to build community and then to understand what to do with this data that I have. Data's great. If you don't know what to do with it, sometimes you get stuck and you do nothing. Well, you, 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 you just pitched up my next question. All actually. right. <laughs> is, what's data's role? Yeah. Yeah. So data is really, it's about, it's one piece of it, right? So it's informative. But the second part of that is you have to take some action once you have it. Um, oftentimes, organizations will not feel as if they have an issue in the diversity or equity or even in the inclusion space because they don't feel it. They don't see it. We're all caught up with our blinders. We do our jobs every single day. We all love each other, right? Right. What the data says is the data will show us where we have those gaps, where we have gaps with internal mobility issues, where we have gaps with the talent retention and even hiring, or where we have gaps in compensation. If I only have visibility to my team and I feel like I'm doing a really great job over here and I don't have visibility to the rest of the organization, I don't have a problem. Mm -hmm. But having that data available to us really does help us to, to draw the big picture, to connect the dots, right? It helps us to focus in on, on how do we create a, a, a culture where people really want to be with us. How do we do that? First, you have to understand what your data tells you about your organization. If your data says that people aren't applying for roles internally, right, you have to understand what does that tie back to? It ties back to the culture. It ties back to the, is there a feeling, is there a sense of belonging there that needs to be addressed? <laughs> so I programmed a diversity uh, conference about two years ago. And it was, obviously it was virtual. But I interviewed a hundred DEI professionals, so peers of yours. Mm -hmm. And one of the trends that kind of came out of those conversations was that they were pushing a theme of diversity is everyone's responsibility. Yeah. Like so, it's 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 not just one person's responsibility in one department in a chair somewhere down in a basement, etc. It's like no, for this to actually be done well, everyone, leadership all the way frontline, everyone that touches it has to be thinking about the DEI mm -hmm. for this to be true. Is that, I mean... 100%, I said that. Like, so you're hitting it spot on. But I tell people, uh, for your DEI strategies to work, not only do you need that top down, you need bottoms up, but you need that middle layer as well. 
DI belongs to everyone. It really does belong to everyone, which is really the reason why it needs to be embedded in your organization's DNA. If you do that, then now you've made everyone responsible for creating a culture of belonging. How do you do that, right? Again, it cannot fall on the shoulders of one particular person. You have to rally your troops. You have to anticipate those people who will be resistors, right? They're part of the organization too. You're gonna have some resistors, anticipate that. And then have a plan for how you're going to continue to work around, through, with them to get people on board. Um, it is not something that can be done overnight. So well, we didn't get here overnight. We didn't get here overnight. You right. have to be resilient. We're talking about you know breaking down systemic barriers. Systemic barriers don't happen overnight. So it takes time. It takes a lot of energy. But more than anything else, I think it takes support. And the organization has to understand that. Again, top-down is really, really great when you know how to leverage that level of influence. Right. You need bottoms up. We need those troopers out there who are helping to be your diversity cheerleaders, your diversity champions. And then I, I'd say people often forget that middle level of leadership. My middle managers, they touch more people in the organization oh, yeah. than I could ever in a day. Yep. Right? We need them to be our champions as well. So it doesn't start or end in one particular place. This really is a full, a full circle where everybody is engaged. What about senior leadership? Um, what is the importance and, and what do you think is going on in the area of making the executive suite more diverse? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to make the executive suite more diverse, right? Again, we're talking about systemic barriers, systemic challenges that have happened over years. Um, I think it needs to be done with intention. Um, I will tell you that a lot of industries are focusing on things like gender parity, right? And that's really, and we, we, we are really close to achieving gender parity, but that is definitely one of our, one of our goals. Um, but you do that, again, with intention. These things just don't happen organically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about identifying transferable skills, really honing in on how we as an organization can look for the talent, work with the talent, and be intentional about who we're putting in these positions. It matters. It matters to see someone who looks like me in a leadership position. When I look at our co-CEO, that, that matters. It helps to build a culture where people want to come and work for you when they can see themselves in the leadership team. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to imagine growing with a company when you look at their website and you don't see anyone. You don't see another woman. You don't see another person of color. That matters. What that tells me is that, you know, consciously or subconsciously, does this organization really value what I bring to the organization? And it's not just about my skills, right? It's, it's deeper than that. And when you're looking at top talent, they have choices and they really want to work for organizations that really represent their core values and their beliefs. What, what I love where we're at right now with millennials and Gen Z, if they don't see themselves in, especially in the recruiting process, if they don't see themselves in the executive team, if they don't see themselves, they just won't apply. Right. Yeah. Like they're, yeah. they're unwilling, I'm squarely Gen X, they're unwilling to put up with it. Mm-hmm. Like to get in, like, like the, this whole idea, I'll get into the organization, I'll change the organization from within. No. <laughs> that, that, those ideas, they're long gone. They're long gone. They have choices. Right. They absolutely have choices. And, and what organizations need to do is recognize that, right? And then know that we're out there vying for the top talent. If we want the top talent, we really need to be representative of the people that we're trying to attract. 
Um, so long gone are the days where, you know, you can sit in the stiff suits and even long gone are the days where people are coming into an office. Yep. So we have to grow as the, 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 the work demands require us to do so. What that means is we've got to lean in and be agile to that. We have to, we have to be representative of the populations that we're trying to attract. How do you work with your um, talent acquisition group to make sure that they're considering DEI issues in their recruiting? Yeah, I, I would say that, again, part of, part of our, our diversity strategy is to embed DEI in every single thing that we do. So with our talent acquisition team, what we've done is we've expanded where we're looking for talent. We have revised um, you know, our job requisitions. We have identified biases in specific language that we've stripped. We are, again, looking for transferable skills. Um, when you're looking for that top talent, they may not have 20 years of service. Doesn't mean that, you know, three years of service, but amazing skills that they won't be a high performer in that role. Mm -hmm. So we encourage and I work really closely with our talent acquisition team on making sure that leaders understand how we are evaluating these candidates, right? If you want different leadership, if you want your company to, to be reflected, you have to look in different spots. You have to be, you know, expanding where you're looking for this talent. And, and, and I, I believe that we're doing a really good job with that. We've got work to do, like every other company, and it doesn't stop at any particular point. How we do it is we, we, we do it with intention. So Mark and I read the uh, Pulse of Talent report. And just great research, first of all, just wonderfully done. And uh, I, know, I know I got a lot out of it and oh, yeah. from the DEI perspective. Mm -hmm. What... You know, you got probably a first draft of it, and you looked at it, and like, what did you get out of it, specifically through kind of a DEI lens? I will tell you that I think it just confirmed exactly what what we, we knew, right? It confirmed what we knew. Um, one, that there's so much room to, to continue to grow and improve, right? That these efforts cannot be managed um, individually. They, they require collective efforts. Um, and then I would also say that... Um, I was really, really excited to see that organizations are still hungry to want to know how they can use the data to improve the work that they're doing around it. Um, we, we do have a lot of work that we can do. Sweden, again, making uh, equity a core uh, value really does speak volumes to who we are as an organization. And I believe that with the right amount of visibility and continued support, We'll get there, right? It'll be a continuing learning process, but we will absolutely get there. How, first, um, how, how big is your team? So I currently work with a collaborative team. Um, I, I, I don't lead direct reports, but my collaborative team is about 15 people. Okay. So how does your team approach DEI within Ceridian and developing I was, the culture. I was going to ask and, a similar question around ERGs. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I can speak to definitely the ERGs. Um, so I work under the uh, learning and leadership development team, but I will tell you for our ERGs, they have, I've given them one mandate. Um, we've got nine employee resource groups and the mandate is very simple, to educate, celebrate, and create a space of inclusion. Oh, cool. So as they begin to build out programs um, for our employees, it is always done with the intent to educate, celebrate, and create a space of inclusion. Everyone is invited. I'm a member of all nine ERGs, and I tell people that proudly. 
So I'm a member of the Asia Pacific Network, not because I'm Asian or Pacific, but I'm a member of that group because I'm an ally and I want to learn more. So we lead with humility. We measure the successes of the programs that we put together. Sometimes they fall flat. Like, and when they do fall flat, we learn from that, we rebuild, and then we put together more meaningful programs for our, our employees. Um, but it really does come down to how do we put together material that will really benefit the people that it's intended to benefit. And that is with education, celebrating the culture, and creating a space where everyone belongs. Did that answer your question? Yes, it does. Hard, Thank you. Hardest part of your job? Mm. <laughs> that, that's a tough it's a one. It's a multi-pronged answer. It is. It's a really tough one. Um, I don't, I don't know yet. I say the hardest part of my job is... So when I asked the DEI uh, professional at ESPN this, this question, uh-huh. she said, you know, the hardest part is uh, the people that are silent. Hmm. And I said, do tell. She goes, you know, you talk to people that, that, that get it on some level mm-hmm. and know that we have to mm-hmm. make changes, et cetera. They've, they're humble. I think you said humility yeah, earlier. Humility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and, and she goes, it's the silence. That's the part that scares me. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Makes sense. And then I would definitely have to agree with that. You know, it's, it's, it's the silence. But yeah. I, I, what I try to do is I anticipate that. Um, mm-hmm. I lean in with the full expectation that I may not reach everyone. Right. Right? But I absolutely celebrate the wins and those successes. If I get an email from someone who says, hey, Denebra, I just attended a training and it was amazing, right? That outweighs the silence all day, right? right? Here's the way I see the silence. I see it as, as an organization, we can only do better when people participate, right? right? I'm going to be there with pom-poms on, cheering as loud as ever because I believe it. I believe it. I think the hardest part of my job, I would say, would be, you know, any type of resistance without a recommendation for how we can do it better. So to resist it is fine. Tell right. me how we can do it better. Right. That's the hardest part. With insights, uh, maybe even this year or next year, what would you like to see from a DEI perspective? Ooh. If you could impact the schedule or the program <laughs> in some way. I'd probably say, give me more breakout sessions. <laughs> 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 never, never too shy from a microphone. And because I love the work that I do, I love getting, you know, being able to tell people about this type of work and why it's important. Um, we did a breakout session about, you know, 10 DEI metrics that you should be measuring in your organization. And when we let that, I, the, I first and I opened it, I said, look, I'm going to tell you 10 things. That could be 10 sessions. Right, right. Wow. The 10 different sessions. Yeah. And 10 can sound intimidating. But yeah. if you get two of them, you are well on your way. And if you walk out of here with one, you know, high five yourself. It really is about perspective. So I, I'd want to keep the message going, keep it loud. Give, let's open up some more booths that we can talk about these things, right. Right? right? I'd love to see some real courageous conversations happening with employees and with leaders. Let's talk about those things that we don't necessarily get to talk about. We tell people to bring their authentic selves mm-hmm. to work. What does that really mean? And are we prepared for that, right? Are we really prepared for that? <laughs> Every time someone says that to me, I'm like, eh. Right. You, you want about 80% of me. Right, right. Do you really? Because yeah, I bring 100% of mine, and I don't know everybody wants that every day. <laughs> but, but you know, those are the types of things that I would love to see. I'd love to see, you know, more intimate conversations. I think people learn through storytelling, and I would love to create a space and a place where people can really tell their stories. 
I think it humanizes us in a way. Um, and if you lean into those stories, you heard me say with, with humility, I think it opens up a place for us to continue to learn and to do better. Again, I think the data is one part of it. It's a great part of it. It helps us to identify where we have gaps. But also, I think the sentiment, really hearing directly from the people, matters. I think two things that I've learned from you uh, just just through this call is celebrating micro successes. Mm -hmm. Just smell the small wins, mm -hmm. like celebrating yeah. it. Because I think sometimes we're looking for the huge wins, and it's like, those takes years. And so they can probably take a, a toll, which leads me to the second thing I've learned from you is the mental health of the DEI community yeah. to not get worn down mm -hmm. with this being a marathon. I mean, an extended marathon, right. right? Instead of a sprint. We talk about executive burnout, and I will tell you that in this particular space, um, I don't know that it's addressed as much as it should be. But we take on those heavy conversations, those heavy topics, and those heavy issues. And as a practitioner in this space, your, your goal is to fix it, right? We want to fix it. We want to fix it now. We want to you know, to create, we, 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 we want to have the magic key for everything. We, we consider ourselves unicorns in this space because we bring the pixie dust. But the reality of it is there's some things that we're not going to be able to fix overnight. We will never be able to fix it alone. Right. Um, and you have to be, you have to give yourself the grace to continue to keep going when you can't fix it. That's the tough part. Drops my walks off stage. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe sings a song. Sings she's, a song? She's Absolutely with. not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. You've been wonderful. No, this was amazing. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Isaac. Let's keep the conversations going. I'm always super excited to keep talking about these things. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Find out more at www.ceridian.com forward slash insights.